We are back, and joining me as promised to tell the tale of adventures in Latin America are my traveling companions, Gordon Smith and Elise Howell. Welcome back to Radio Parallax, Gordon. Gracias. Thank you, Doug. And Elise. <laughs> Oops. It's good to have both of you here uh, because we did have some good adventures down there, and I know that some listeners out there anyway are keen to hear about this. So and I think if you're not, you're going to hear about it anyway. Well, exactly right. <laughs> Let's go back to the 5th of December, I think, would be the good starting point. Gordon, you and I were in Colombia as Elise was preparing to go south from America, and... Um, Let's talk a bit about that last day we had in Colombia because it was quite an adventure. We left early to get to the airport with plenty of time for both our flights. With about uh, three hours uh, at <laughs> least allowed for uh, making a, a one-hour journey, yes. Yes, and we discovered that the, for some reason in Bogota, I guess you'd say the airport wasn't as easy to find as one is used to. Extraordinarily well hidden, I think we could say, yes. The, th the truth of the matter is, we'd like to think of ourselves, you and I, as fairly veteran travelers at this point, and yet we were both completely thwarted by the inability to find the international airport. Yeah, I, I think you can say we were pretty much uh, flummoxed by the Colombian <laughs> approach to road signage. Yes, they do, they do have a ways to go in this department, and uh, I must say that um, after making two passes and going around in a giant circle in the middle of Bogota, and taking yet another wrong turn from another wrong set of directions, you had a brilliant idea. And that brilliant idea was that what we needed to do was throw ourselves on the mercy of a taxi driver <laughs> and have you get out of our car, get into the taxi, and have the taxi lead the way to the missing passenger terminal. Which we did, and it was the, probably the only way we were going to find that airport, I'm convinced. I think yeah, that is absolutely true. We would still be circling somewhere in Bogota today were it not for that good Samaritan of a taxi driver. Well, he wasn't necessarily a good Samaritan. He was paid. I tipped him rather astonishingly well, which I never did tell you about. But, but uh, uh, we had a little bit of trouble also. Um, Colombia, beautiful country. I would go back, but they do have to work out a few details in their interface with the tourists, um, you had some trouble getting giving the car back to the guy as I was as I was waiting for you. Yes, that is true. As you talked about in your last segment, the Colombian airport does not feature much by way of car rental companies. Not something I've ever seen at a major international airport before. So the office of the, the rental company that we dealt with was somewhere well off-site. So the only way we could arrange to return the car to the airport was arranging to meet with a representative of said company. Unfortunately, he didn't speak English, and as near as I can tell, he didn't speak Spanish very well either. <laughs> so he called us repeatedly on the phone to try and arrange a, a rendezvous point, and we did ultimately meet when we got to the airport, but it, it, that seems to have been luck more than anything else. I, one thing that really impressed me the most about the interaction you had with him as you were trying to give him the keys of the car and give him the car was you came back and um, uh, your feathers were a bit ruffled, and, and that's that's really hard to do, but I, what he did was, was, it was really quite remarkable. Well, yes. Well, first of all, he didn't want to accept the uh, car keys. Uh, he wanted me to pay the parking 
fee to get his rental company car out of the parking lot. Mm -hmm. So, fine. I paid the whatever it was, 50 cents to get the car <laughs> out of the, the lot. And then, and then he went and carefully inspected the car for scratches and uh, complained long and loud about the fact that he couldn't actually see any scratches because the car was too dirty. At that point, I had to point out to him that the reason why the exterior of the car was dirty was because the roads of Columbia are, in fact, quite dirty in the midst of the rainy season. You know, I've just never heard of anyone requiring you to bring back a cleaned automobile from a rental company. No, he was uh, he was a pretty uh, unique guy. And then to add insult to uh, injury, when I pointed out that we were returning the car two days early because, of course, the highway to the coast had been washed out in their torrential rains, and I said, well, I'm returning it two days early. I'm going to expect uh, a partial refund as a result. He said, Oh no 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 no! We don't ever give money back. <laughs> I'm sure he's. I'm sure that's true. Well, um, when we got into the terminal, uh, you were taking a flight to Cartagena. Hopefully, you'll tell just a brief bit about your, your adventures there, which were sounds like they were pretty positive. But you had no sooner left when I ran into a, a rather disturbing a, event, which I think I made passing reference to last time. I asked if I could check into my flight to San Jose early, and the, and the, the gal said, the, to San Jose, Costa Rica? Why, yes. Oh, no, you can check in now, she said. Oh, good, I said. She said, can you show me your carneta de febre amarillo? You have your, your, your card for yellow fever vaccination. And uh, I said, um, uh, no, no, I can't. <laughs> well, then you can't go to Costa Rica, she said, because you have to have one of those. This began a uh, series of adventures over the next hour, which were kind of disturbing because it wound up being resolved by me having, how should I say this? Dinero. A fixer in the airport took care of the problem, I guess is how we could just summarize it. And that was fine because I was contemplating having to fly to Puerto Rico or Curaçao or Mexico or some other country in order to get around this, this technicality. Um, when I got to Costa Rica, I then sent you an email saying, you, you got to take care of this in Cartagena, but that didn't work out so well for you either, I guess. No, no. In fact, it took me um, over 24 hours to get around to uh, checking my email. And when I finally did get it, it was uh, the evening before I was, I was to leave at the, at the crack of dawn the following morning. So uh, by the time I read your message, it was about 5.30 p.m. And realizing that I had to somehow find myself a, a clinic where I could get vaccinated. I got a list of the three closest ones and then proceeded to spend the next uh, two or three hours running from one end of the city of Cartagena to another trying to find an open clinic. And unfortunately, I, I, I heard several variations on the theme of mañana, senor. <laughs> So I decided, well, I'll just uh, throw myself on the mercy of the travel gods, fly to Bogota, and uh, during my several hours layover there, attempt to uh, sort the problem out. Which, I, Which in I, fact, I did. Yes. Without having to uh, pay a, uh, uh, a fixer to uh, solve the problem 
for me. I did find someone who was willing to uh, give me the the uh, carneta de fiebre amarilla uh, in exchange for uh, a certain amount of, well, frankly, fibbing on my part. I was about to say, yes, we, we, both, we both stretched the truth a bit in our stories. Uh, that is true. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but you did, uh, just as an aside, you, uh, you you want to put a plug in for Cartagena. I understand you had a great time there for a day and a half. Cartagena is definitely the jewel of Colombia, at least as far as that part of Colombia that, that I saw. It's really an extraordinary city. It was the, the main port of the Spanish Empire in South America during the the colonial era, and uh, has done an extraordinary job of preserving the uh, the buildings and uh, the architecture of that era. In fact, Cartagena is still a walled city because Cartagena was a favorite target of the English and French pirates of that era of the. 16th and 17th and 18th century, so the the Spanish reinforced the city very heavily, building walls around the city and building uh, fortresses, and, and uh, most of that, most of those structures are, are still in place today, so it's it's really an incredible place to to walk around in the, in the old city with the uh, the, the narrow cobblestone streets and the plazas and uh, and the colonial churches quite quite extraordinary. Well, I'm sorry to say I did not make it to Cartagena <laughs> with you, but it clearly has to be on the to-do list. Okay, while you were having your adventure in Cartagena, I flew off to Costa Rica and, with my carneta and uh, set up shop for Elise to join me the next day. This would be, I guess, Monday, and uh, <laughs> and I was there. That and I morning. wasn't there. Well, yeah, well, let's let's tell the story of what happened. People should realize if you're trying to leave Sacramento uh, in the winter months, sometimes you can run into problems, and you did. It was really a comedy of errors right from the beginning, because I got to Sacramento Airport and nothing was taking off. So they said, "Oh, I think this is American Airlines." They said, "Oh, but here, catch a taxi uh, shuttle from um, Sacramento to San Francisco Airport." So instead of flying <laughs> from Sacramento to San Francisco, nothing was taking off. But thank goodness to the airlines, they had given us a ride, and we got there in time for me to take off on my so midnight you, you, red eye. You still had a shot. I still had a shot, but then I stayed on the tarmac at the San Francisco airport for um, some ungodly amount of time, enough to miss all my connections and f only get to um, San Jose, Costa Rica approximately 12 hours later. Just, uh, I missed the shuttle ride, I missed everything, and that first day that I should have been in Costa Rica by 9 a.m., I believe I got there closer to like 9 p.m., something like that, that's, something sad. That's about right, because I, I was there at 9 a.m. awaiting your... your, your <laughs> Your sorry, smiling so sorry. face to show up, happy to be there, and it and was like, oh, she well, didn't walk off the plane, she, I, and it was yeah. like we no way of knowing when you'd show up. So I, yeah, it was sad. So I got a just a taxi that the you know the place left for me, and you know so it was like a <laughs> double price. But I was really glad to go. I had a nice taxi driver. It wasn't bad. And you know if you're going to travel in a foreign country, you have to just say, ah, uh, these are the rigors of travel. C'est la vie. Uh, let's move forward. Let's look 
to tomorrow. But I little did I know you guys had this whole yellow fever card fraud thing, <laughs> two misdemeanors. <laughs> when I met you guys, I'm like, what are you two doing? So that well, was kind of noting, exciting. That was exciting. I think it's worth noting for our listeners that these sort of things do happen. You miss flights. You, you have, you're told that you can't fly in a certain country, and you've just kind of stick with it. You can usually, well, sooner or later solve the problem. So uh, we found ourselves together uh, to get surfing lessons in Costa Rica. And I must say, uh, the water, the waves, everything was pretty nice. Yes, the name of the town was Dominical. It's on the Pacific side. It's very sleepy. If you are a spring break 20-year-old, you don't want to go there. There's no, not go somewhere nightlife. else. Please go. It's a very sleepy, wonderful town. And um it's like seems like maybe three blocks long and right on the beach and the nicest folks we stayed at um first or tree flat uh, upgraded uh that was a little too youth hostily for our old <laughs> bodies and we uh, went hey, to hey, speak, for <laughs> speak for myself that's right gordon you're right over true and then we ended up we should at- actually put a plug in if you are 18 years old and you can manage to sleep on god just horrible beds for cheap <laughs> Well, then do Go it because you there. won't be able to do that forever. Right. Go, do it now. a point when you want, you'll want something else. Yeah. So we just upgraded slightly to um, Rio Lindo, which is a very nice, uh, ho- nicer hotel with a wonderful um, expat American owner's been there like six years, Kathy. They're really nice. They have a wonderful pool. And I liked it much better with a hammock outside <laughs> your room. And I couldn't say enough good things about that. And just a little walking distance to our surf lesson. Right. Very, very well said. Uh, we're going to put some pictures of this as well on our website, so people will be able to actually see. Uh, by some the of way, places. if you see any of these pictures, I look really so much better than these pictures. I look much younger <laughs> in person. Yeah, I don't know how you did that, Gordon. A lot of these photos you took somehow I look about ten years older than I do in reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how did that happen? Uh, yeah. It's oh, like... it's amazing what you can do with Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got to get that age filter. I think. Yeah, that's there. right. But oh, uh, you have to pay extra for that. <laughs> Uh, I, uh, you and I both had were kind of sore on occasion and kind of curtailed our surfing at first a bit, but uh, Yo, but, but I, I want to say I got say, the prize. Yeah, but <laughs> but uh, we did it. We actually were able to uh, were on great. the first day able to get up and, and ride some waves in. So yeah, I highly recommend great. this. I'm sure you second the motion. I definitely second the motion, but I have to point out that an essential part of the whole surfing experience in Dominical is the massage on the beach <laughs> afterwards. A daily massage is definitely called for. There are at least two very skilled practitioners uh, in town. We happen to use the services of Julie Smith, who will probably still be there when uh, when your listeners go. So I, I highly recommend her skilled hand. She Super definitely nice made continued surfing possible for me. I, I would second that motion. I did enjoy some Costa Rican massages while I was at it. But uh, Elise, of all of us, uh, in a way you did the best, in a way you did the worst. On the very first, like, 10 minutes of surfing, you stepped on a stingray. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. You know, I surf in San Diego, and I see all these other people stepping on stingrays. And then I get to Costa Rica, where the water is so warm. Forget your wetsuit. It's such a gorgeous thing. And boom, I step on a stingray. A little one, but still, it kind of said for, made it forget it for the rest of the day of surfing. But I have to say, those people took such good care of me. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to immerse it in hottest water as you can stand for a couple of hours to get that poison to go out. And that little 
stingray has quite the barb that goes right into your foot. And I didn't. You've got a glancing blow, luckily. Yeah. If it had penetrated, it would have been, of course. It it penetrated, but it was only the side, and it bled a lot. But then he put that aloe plant in there and um, hit it with the rock, got all that juice to come out. And I was. (laughs) They took such good care of me that the next day I could surf just in time to get uh, the jellyfish stings that we got. (laughs) Um. We're painting. We're surely. But it's, it was still they wonderful. Were minor. They were minor, but minor, minor setbacks. It still was great surfing. But just remember, you know, it, it can't. It doesn't have to go smoothly, but it still can go great. And as surfers know, you should probably take a little bottle of vinegar along with you because it helps. It helps deactivate <laughs> the uh, the stingers of the um, the jellyfish. But beautiful setting. I, I can't wait to go back. How about you guys? I definitely go back. And Costa Rica, no question, it is definitely uh, a keeper whether it's on the coast uh, surfing or up in the mountains uh, exploring the cloud forests or going to Arenal to, to see the volcano the hot springs uh, too just an, an incredible amount to see and do in that country we, we're just kind of giving the uh, the cliffs notes version of some of this but in the, in the minutes we have left I want to say that you know we weren't all we weren't just at the beach we did go up to the uh, uh, Monteverde. The, the village of Monteverde, and uh, that was also quite um, quite an adventure on, in its own right. Absolutely. Well, it was my first time, and I want to go back, and I know you both have been several times and continued to want to go back, and there's a lot of American expats there that have homes there, and you just have to go once to figure out why. It's well, great. Yeah, up, up in the hills, we should point out, there's sort of a, it's sort of controversial, the, the whole zip line issue. Uh, it brings a lot of tourist dollars to the area. It does uh, utilize the rainforest as a resource because if you cut down the rainforest, you can't have zip lines. But it's just it's it's not really the eco-friendly way of checking out monkeys, but it's the way of zipping on these cables over hilltops and just having one hell of a good time. <laughs> and, I second that. And, and Gordon, you have you have some photos of this waiting to we're all we're all waiting these photos. I have photos. I have videos. It is quite the experience. I highly recommend it. And I'd also echo what you just said. That I think it is, in fact, a pretty good way of of preserving uh, the jungle. It's not pristine wilderness, but uh, you know, <laughs> in a, a location like Monteverde, which is a, a major tourist uh, attraction, we're not talking wilderness here we are talking uh, uh, about a natural experience that has however been packaged for <laughs> the traveler in case anyone listening doesn't know what we're talking about these zip lines why don't we just kind of paint a picture for them uh, uh, you basically put a harness on cables are strung from basically a tree on one top of one ridge to another and you basically lock in and uh, Elise how would you describe what happens next Oh, it's quite the screamer. Uh, <laughs> you can, it's very, very high, and um, I, I loved it. And there were, the, the bird's eye view is amazing, and you do hit some top speeds, and you can <laughs> do some crazy little turns and twists. And Yeah, I noticed in your first, your first one, you had some trouble with braking. <laughs> you came in a little hot, and damn near knocked the guy out of the tree post he was he was in. Oh, just knocked the wind out of his middle. That's all he said. He said it was okay. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, Doug. That well, I, I thought we wanted to paint a vivid picture for people. And Gordon, you had some you had some uh, you had some moments as well. 
Yes, I, I I wasn't quite so loud in the streaming department uh, as uh, as Elise, and, and and I don't think I knocked uh, any of the the catchers uh, out of the trees. But I definitely had a great time soaring uh, above the the canopy. It's it's really not to be missed. And I, by the way, I have tried zipline experiences elsewhere in the world. This is the best I have seen. It's really good. Really, very, very good. Just for the scenery and for the height that you reach uh, above the the canopy in in places, it's excellent experience. And the people who who run it are very professional, very competent. I agree that it was literally invented in the Monte Verde area, the whole zipline phenomenon. So, uh, By biologists so, that were checking out right, they, the they were, vegetation. That's they, what they said. They were, yeah, they were exploring that in the canopy and discovered that, well, if you're going to, if you take this technology to climb the tree, we can do something else with this. So it was kind of an interesting approach. And the only other yeah. thing I want to plug you guys is, you know, the people of Costa Rica are so genuinely kind and upbeat and that, you know, we can plug the zip lining, but really I think people return to Costa Rica as much for the people and how um, genuinely kind they are as, as well as all the scenery. I really believe that. I would uh, echo that uh, 100%. It is a very easy country to, uh, to travel in. Uh, if you're going to, to travel in Latin America, Costa Rica is definitely a place that should be somewhere very top of the, of the list. Pura vida. <laughs> the, the national expression. Well, you know, we've got about four days left in the trip, but we are out of time today. So what I would ask both of you to do is return in some future program where you can talk about uh, uh, trying to uh, spot the volcano as it erupts <laughs> and, 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 and what an adventure that can be. So uh, I hope both of you will come back. Oh, sure, because the pay is great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Elise Howell, Gordon Smith, thanks for uh, sharing, and we'll, we'll do this again soon. Thank you. Bye, Thank Gordon. You. Bye, Doug. Bye, Elise. <laughs>